the podcast you're about to hear will inspire, innovate, give you insight, and take you on the wings of leadership. This is why we call it the I3L. Inspiration, innovation, insight, and leadership. Get ready to embark on the journey to greatness with Kayode Oguta. Hi, welcome to the I3L podcast. My name remains Kayode Oguta. Every single week, the I3L podcast comes to give to you leadership content, world-class leadership content to reduce your leadership journey and maximize your effectiveness in leadership. One of the things going on in the world now is the fact that while we in the Ithaca podcast realized that we've had over 150,000 plays since we started and majority of our listeners are probably in America, in Asia and in Canada, it's important to realize that I broadcast actually from Nigeria. And um, there's been a there's been a talk in Nigeria concerning or a movement being um, birthing called the NSARS movement, and um, I probably think that it will be appropriate to use the Ethereum podcast to explain to them one of the reasons or how social movements have been able to win in time past, and those that did not win, what lessons have we learned from them? So there've been social movements like the Reformation, there've been social movements like um, the breakdown of apartheid, the social movement like the um, black equality in America, the civil rights movement in America, the feminist movement, there have been different kinds of sh- uh, movement. Some have worked and some have not worked. I will give you an example of that. The not work was like the Arab Spring, especially in Egypt, that despite the fact that it succeeded in changing the leadership, it did not succeed in enthroning the values in which the revolutions actually wanted. So the question is, what worked and what did not work? And why did it work and why did it not work? What lessons can we learn? And how can we improve or make sure that things are really better? That's the goal of the I3L Leadership Podcast today. So when I talk about um, when I talk about the fact that uh, there have been social movements, social movements are actually caused by social changes. And social changes are caused by things like conflict, demographic change, um, cultural change, and probably even institutional cultural or, or structural changes. Now, if you look at conflicts, conflicts are buffed by inequalities based on race, gender, religion, class, foster, which fosters dissatisfaction and anger. Now, so to address this kind of conflicts, what people do is that they gather together and they begin to make a voice, uh, their, their voice heard. Now, on that kind of change, that causes, um, on that kind of, second that causes social change is what we call the demographic changes. When demographic makeup of a place actually alters then there will be a reason why social change will take place in the case of nigeria 65 percent of the population are, are below um, 30 years old so obviously there's a great demographic change taking place in even in the country of nigeria then some the third one is cultural changes new discoveries inventions and maybe the spreading of great new ideas now if you look at what some of the most popular movements, the Reformation, the abolition of the trans, um, transatlantic slave trade, the civil rights movement, the dismantling of apartheid, the feminist movement, and probably also the Arab Spring, I want to explain to every young person listening to me that there are certain things you must do right and there are certain things you must do wrong. Um, you cannot afford to do. The lessons you've learned and that these lessons would help you definitely understand why this kind of changes would actually work or it would not work. Now, if we're not careful, now, if we're not careful, there's one thing we call the, um, the sociologists call the flash mob. Flash mob is a situation in which sociologists define 
as a spontaneous activity that lasts for a short time before returning back to normal. So flash mobs are examples of collective behaviors, but which are not institutionalized. And um, because of the nationalized, they have not institutionalized activity where several people operate in. Now, I, if the NSAS does not turn to or does not become a flash mob situation, then there must be some things that they must do right. And that is why in today's podcast, I'm asking that there are four things, in my opinion, that if you don't want to become a flash mob, if you want to, if you don't want to uh, be like an example of the Arab Spring that... Um, that actually did that actually brought down even uh, Mubarak or the Mubarak, but did not successfully put down the ideas that actually brought it down. Then it must be right for you to listen to this podcast today. Now, one of the reasons why it's imperative to do this podcast is to explain to you that you're fighting against structures and systems that have been entrenched for probably 200, 300 years, and those are the structures and systems that defeated your fathers, that defeated your fathers' fathers. And um, will probably defeat you if you do not take it, if you do not learn lessons from it. Now, um, in my personal opinion, I have, as a human being, as an individual, become involved in mass protests, especially the 1993 elections that um, that was annulled. And I was a student leader in the university. And one of the things that I learned is the fact that, yes, we might come together, but you must ensure that politicians do not seize the opportunity or the initiative because if politicians seize the initiative then they would actually go and make compromises that would defeat the goals of the movement so in the case of um, Egypt I mean politicians in the form of the Islamic Brotherhood actually seized the platform and there was no leadership no collective leadership and no ideology behind it and therefore did not succeed so if you look back maybe in the case of the arab spring in the case of the june 12th uh, presidential election when there are no leadership when there is no organizational structure what happens is the fact that the movement now becomes like a flash move it doesn't succeed in carrying out its objectives and if you want to succeed if you want it to succeed and carry out and carry out its objectives then you must have to change tactics now for us to change tactics, we must learn from those who have actually succeeded. And that's why I went back to my archives and I realized that I had studied Gandhi. I mean, every student of this podcast, everyone who has followed us from initial, um, from when we started, you'll always know that I always talk about my great leaders like Mataman Gandhi. I always talk about uh, Nelson Mandela and probably Martin Luther King. I, I see them as examples of great leaders. And probably so there's no more better time to actually highlight what they have done over time than, than now but on that example which i probably have not been given now is the example of john wesley and and um, and calvin now they, those were the ones that actually backed the reformation so the reformation was a success um the uh, the uh, uh, the civil rights movement in america was also a success i mean was i mean gave blacks the, uh, the opportunity to vote and probably put this mandela in the white house if you look at it carefully Every successful movement have certain characteristics. So, like someone said, he said every family, every happy family is alike. Every unhappy family is 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 alike in certain aspects. You understand? So, if you want to study successful people, all you need to do, you have to look at what made them successful or successful systems. And I really do not want to bore you, so I will just go straight to what I think all successful movements have actually had. Number one, they had a leader that have been able to expound a philosophy. A leader that's been able to expand the philosophy. So, in the case of um, 
in the case of John Wesley for the Reformation, they expanded the philosophy that Methodism was a social religion and he was able to win. Now, in the case of the Reformation, if you if you example history, you would understand that there was a French Revolution that was also birthed when people, when the French people, I'm the same kind of situation, French had um, a population increase that led to a large number of unemployed people and so a lot of people were suffering and a lot of people were not doing well. Now, the French population, the same French population had um, the underlying thing. The American Revolution also had its own, that had high levels of um, state debt, you understand? And probably the fact that they also had economic issues tied down to it. And if you look at these two things, the French Revolution and the American Revolution, the fundamental issues that really tied them together are found in Nigeria. So, Nigeria is apparently ripe for the kind of uh, reformation that we're, we're probably talking about. So, if you understand that, but you also have to understand that even in Britain, there was no revolution. So there was the French Revolution, there was the American Revolution, there was no British Revolution. There was no British Revolution because of the works of John Wesley. And now, if you look at what John Wesley did, Methodism and, uh, and, and the social religion, you would understand that they were able, at least it had been done by, by non-religious uh, non scholars, they were able to sell an idea to the people that gave them an opportunity to vent their anger and also gave them a hope that if they worked hard, that tomorrow will be better. And in that same, in that way, they were able to keep Britain from having a revolution. So, in my opinion, if you learn from the lessons of maybe a John Wesley, if you learn from the lessons of a Mahatma Gandhi, who brought up the idea of non-violent struggle, the same one that, uh, the same philosophy that. Um, uh, Martin Luther King espoused the same philosophy that Nelson Mandela also brought. You would understand that the first goal of every great social movement, and that's what the leadership would look, is to expound a philosophy. What philosophy will drive us? Now, this philosophy must satisfy three things. Number one, it must satisfy the current, uh, the current need for dignity. You understand? And because one of the things that's going on is fact that a lot of human beings are feeling not they do not have human dignity. The second thing is that you must have a need. We must satisfy the need for justice and the need for morality. Now, if those things are done, because unjust systems will further injustice, and unjust systems or uh, social injustice or social inequalities will further injustice, will defeat the sense of morality, and probably even give people a sense of the fact that look, we're not equal citizens in this country. Now, so a so a philosophy that will be able to expound that will be the one that would win. Now. If someone had to lead, you have to first start. What philosophy will drive us? In the words of Nelson, in the words of um, uh, what they call it, in the words of Martin Luther King, he said, "We, if we have to have peace on earth, our loyalties must not become economical. Rather, they, um, they must become economical rather than sectional. Our loyalties must transcend our race, our tribe, our class, or even our nation. So this this philosophy must be." must go and even beyond our nation so he must drive to what makes us human now one of the things one of the philosophies i think we could drive into this kind of scenario is a philosophy that man was made in the image of god that every human being has a stamp of dignity the stamp of humanity upon him and with that there will be a sense of justice because you can you you must not you must not deal you must not deal unjustly with anyone who has the stamp of God with him upon him. Now, those are the philosophies that maybe the Christian religion faced, the um, um, upholds, the even uh, the Judeo-Christian religion, and even Islam. So, 
it would sell the kind of it's the kind of philosophy that would sell you know that this is also philosophy that uh, which um, uh, uh, Mahatman Gandhi said was about the father you know what let's have a non-violent non-violent um, philosophy now philosophy in the non-violent philosophy was not just a philosophy of non-violence but it was a philosophy that insisted that there must be cooperation even with the person who they are dealing with so upon the basis of that what's his name Mahatman Gandhi expounded non-violent the non-violent um, philosophy now the non-violent philosophy had its basis on or had three principles behind it number one principle was the principle of non-consent it also means that if you look at non-consent means that the people of the land believe that you cannot rule us without our consent without our consent so for the 300 or 400 million indians that were under the British rule, they could say to the British, you could not rule us without our consent. So our consent would allow you to be able to rule us. Now, if you look at that, the power in the society does not drive from the state. It derives from the people. That principle must also be explained to the people. The, the principle of what? Non-consent. Non non so if the people have that principle behind the uh, behind them, then the apparatus of state is not to be used against the people because the people can withdraw it. And if the people can withdraw that apparatus, it means that those people in government are, are functions of the people on the streets, of the masses. In other words, the state has no power except the power that the masses confer upon it. So even the constitution can be withdrawn by the masses. It's a principle of non-consent. The second one, which I think must also be expound was the, is the principle of what I call stewardship. The principle of stewardship. In the principle of stewardship, you have a situation where people will have to think themselves through and ask themselves, you know what, how we good stewards of the resources entrusted into us. I mean, in the land of Nigeria, you find someone going to the airport and going with like five cars with almost a million dollar worth. It doesn't make sense. Now, if you understand well, most of the things going on in the society is about the lack of stewardship, accountability to, to the resources entrusted in your care. Once that is done, once that once everyone in every field is responsible for the for the has a stewardship mentality that whatsoever has been entrusted is for the overall good, it's our commonwealth, and you must not abuse it, it must not cascade down to everyone. So the principle of stewardship now wins. Now, do not forget that there was a guy, it was Stephen Covey who quoted him and said that Christ can take you out of, um, you can, something can take you out of the, out of Islam, but Christ will take the Islam out of you. A revolution also had to have both the external and internal ch moral changes. So the third one, which Mahatma Gandhi and his friends called, um, in their own case, you understand, they went spiritual in, and for them, it was important that they, it was it, it was self purification. They call it self purification. So it was not just about the external self and about the internal self, and everybody was. Also. So how do you raise up people that will purify themselves? That morality will now become a basis of leadership. So Nelson Mandela, Martin um, uh, Gandhi, and also Martin Luther King had the principle of self-purification. One of them was by fasting, that's Mahatman Gandhi, by fasting and prayer. But my, for in the case of um, uh, Martin Luther King, it was also by what he did, you understand? He didn't do the fasting, he liked meat, I mean, he was not a vegetarian, so he did his own separately. But everybody was understand that 
on the, that that the philosophy of non-violence stands on three legs: the, the principle of non-consent, the principle of stewardship, and the principle of self-provocation, and in which they now decided to expound it and they now decided to win. In my personal opinion, and that's what I'm going to say to you today. You that any group must understand that that's the philosophy the second thing is the management that's what john wesley was known for john Wesley was able to manage now if you have good stewardship you have self um self um self um self-revocation and you also have the non-concept you have need to manage resources the forces that are bringing the forces that allowed the changes to become impossible have been forces that have been around for more than maybe like a hundred years there have been forces that have that has come structural. So for you to win it, then you must have a great organizer, a great management thinker, a great management thinker, a great organizer. And I think that that's another thing that the movement must understand. You must raise up great managing, manage, um, great organizers, organizers that will be able to think how do we marshal resources, how do we change the status quo. Because the first thing, and my experience with Nigerian, Nigerian state is very simple. Whenever the Nigerian state, whenever the economic interest of the state is, is threatened, what the Nigerian state would do is that they would change the political leadership. And the political leadership would always be at the, the, the brunt. So whenever Nigerian people started shouting, oh, the military is this, that, they would change it to, uh, to civilian. Whenever the civilian is, oh, they would change it. They would change it, but they would not, the underlying structures would not be changed. And you realize that when the people who have gotten there, now gets there, they will realize that they cannot do anything because the economic structures that has kept them, has kept this the political system in abeyance, are still in play. So for the mushishan men to work, they must understand that it's not just the political structures that you're looking at. You're looking at the economic structures that have kept human beings in perpetual poverty. And how do you win such a battle? Those are the ways in which they manage it, the, the organizers will think. How do we organize ourselves so that we can win? Now the first thing the um, the Nigerian state, as represented by the economic interest, we think about was when when you said about shout oh shout shout was this they, they changed it to swat they were good they're going to they're going to give you they're going to bait you with 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 something that would make you think that the changes have been done but the changes are always cosmetic because what really you're going to be fighting against will be deep entrenched institutional structural things that cannot be won by cosmetic results and so but you can also fight and win it if you're not fighting from a position of a great philosophy that even goes against above your tribe above your race that, that transcends even your loyalties even your religion you must fight those things so then you cannot begin to look at how do you win for those are the reasons those are the, my ways my thinking that's happened that has made the John Wesley, the Martin Gandhi, the Nelson Mandela, and the Martin Luther King win, and did not allow the Arab world win the Arab Spring. So those are the challenges in which I want to say that: How do we raise up leaders? How do we raise up leaders? How do we how do we raise up people who know that their role is beyond them? What lessons can we learn, and how can we do it right? And what steps do we need to take now? In order to begin to raise up leaders, because these are the leaders now. And if there's no, and nature, nature quickly abolishes the vacuum. And if there's no leadership that will raise up, that will rise up, the politicians will rise up and they will kill it because they're also part of the problem. They're also part of the problem. So the earlier the organization goes 
into the leadership stage, the better there will be no social change. They will become embedded in the society if this is not done. Wow. It's always a pleasure to come to you every time. So, so if you've enjoyed us, keep listening to us, keep, um, keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, and Lord will bless us all. And um, share widely, share widely. Some may need to know, especially now that we're doing social changes. God bless you.